Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Chuck Wackendorfer on the line. Chuck, how are you? Doing well, Michael. Thanks for having me. Great, great. And we're going to add Doug to this conversation, too. So let's welcome in Doug real quick. Hello, Doug. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Glad Doug. to be here. Hello, everybody. Hello. Great. We just started. So perfect timing to jump into the show. So uh, you know, Doug and Chuck, why don't you introduce yourselves and then we'll dive into this conversation about this great new book you've released. Uh, sure. My name is Chuck Walkendorfer. Uh, Doug and I are partners in a business called Think to Perform. It's a business and sports performance firm. We work with executives, athletes, business owners, doctors and nurses in surgery, the FBI to improve decision making under pressure. Uh, we're about 21 years old. And then he and I authored a book that uh, we'll be talking about here today called Don't Wait for Somebody Else to Fix It. It was published April 4th by Wiley. Yep, and I'm Doug Lennick, and I, as Chuck mentioned, uh, we've been in business together. We started Think to Perform as a 21-year-old company, and uh, prior to us joining this company, forming this company, um, both of us had uh, careers in the financial services industry. So um, we have executive life in, in financial services for, for, for what that's worth. Well, those are skills that definitely pay dividends going through. My original career was public accounting, and it's amazing how many skills I picked up along the way that I use even today. So it's, you know, the having a financial background definitely can help with decisions and especially, you know, making those difficult decisions that we we so run into. So, so you know, congratulations, you know, organization, you know, is 21. So a legal adult now. So that's, that's good. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, ho ho you know, still, you know, still young, but you know, it, it, it's, it's awesome that uh, you guys have launched this amazing business. And then of course you're writing this book and in the pre-show, you know, when Chuck and I were talking for a couple of minutes, you know, I said, the title of the book alone is definitely, you see it on the bookshelf, you're going to grab it. And you're like, okay, what's this about? So I'll want you start with, uh, you know what motivated you to write the book we feel uh uh well first of all we we work our clients uh we work with our clients to develop their leadership effectiveness and as doug mentioned we've spent decades uh in leadership roles ourselves we have been consulting and coaching executives and business owners around the world to improve their own leadership effectiveness we've also benefited from our own mentors and people who've come before us people who have written great books like seven habits of highly effective people by stephen covey and so <clears throat> we felt the responsibility to extend what we've learned what has benefited so many of the people that we worked with in, into this book and part of our our vision at think to perform is to enhance the world by improving the decision making and performance of the individuals and organizations we touch. And so we've been working for the last 21 years to enhance the world. And people can't always hire Doug or, my, or myself or other people in our company. 
So we try and provide the tools and the content in different ways. So we have a YouTube channel, we have an audio library, we have workbooks, we have values cards, but then we wanted to put everything that we think is timeless that can help anybody anywhere improve their lives or the lives of people that they care about. And so that's kind of the genesis of, of the book. We wanted to put uh, all of this in one place. We identified these eight essentials and we wanted to make it a workbook so people can not only read the book and learn about the tools, but apply them. And that's really where you're going to get the results is in the application. If I don't use what I've learned, it really doesn't benefit me that much. And so it is a book meant to be used. Doug, anything you uh, add there? Well, what I would simply say that you said it really well. And what I what I would say, Michael, is, and by the way, I have to congratulate you. I never made it. I was going to be a public accountant. So I I dropped out a quarter short of a degree in accounting. So God bless you for finishing. I uh, I didn't. Uh, I, I, I did eventually graduate from college, but not with a degree in accounting. But I, I would say what, what Chuck said is, is pretty much on. Uh, so I, I don't think I have a lot to add there. I did want to comment on your CPA-ness uh, and the value of that because it, 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 it's clearly valuable. But we wrote this book because we believe that every human being in the world, and we and the world has now crossed 8 billion, so we now have more than 8 billion people in the world. We think that everybody in the world influences the people around them. So where, wherever one lives in the world, if unless they live literally by themselves, they are influencing people around them. And with that comes a responsibility. So we take the position that everybody is an influencer and we label them therefore a leader. Leadership is that which one does to influence the behavior of others. All of us are leaders and we're challenging ourselves as authors and our readers to not wait for someone else to do something about all the stuff that we can look around and see could use some fixing. So, you know, and, and we're in a point finger world today and we're saying it's time uh, for reasonable people to say, hey, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to fix it. I'm going to step up and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make a difference myself. And that's why the book is meant to be a workbook. Anybody should be able to open literally any page of the book. You can go to any page and, and find something. I just opened it up accidentally, came to page 117, and it says, decision-making is a full-time job. If anybody just opened it up and just decided, you know, I'm just going to read about decision-making, it's a full-time job, that will be valuable. If they read, go into the chapter on igniting integrity and responsibility, simple little things like standing up for what's right, keeping, I mean, basic tools that people can actually use to make a difference in their lives and in the lives of the people they influence literally immediately and so that's what we're hoping to accomplish i love how you say everyone is a leader it reminds me when i was working in healthcare i was uh, running healthcare clinics and 
one day, one of the receptionists that I had hired, and I've shared the story about her skill set and when I hired her because she didn't have any medical experience, but she had customer service experience working for a cell phone company in retail. So I thought, well, you are used to taking abuse. So welcome to healthcare and you'll get the abuse from the patients and the doctors and everywhere around. So you'll be tough on that. You'll you'll learn the, you know, the dialogue and the acronyms and healthcare and all of that, but I knew you'd be fine. And one day I I heard her say to somebody, I'm I'm just the receptionist. And I I, I pulled her aside quietly. I said, okay, one, you need to remove the just the um, you are the quarterback of how this clinic runs. Yes, I'm the executive, fine, but you control the flow of how things are done from scheduling patients, from coordinating referrals, from making sure that you can advise the patients that you know there's a little bit of a wait. That's why they call it the waiting room, by the way. Uh, you're going to wait, uh, appropriately <laughs> named room for sure. Uh, but you navigate and control the rudder on this ship. Yeah, I'm directing, but my hands aren't on the rudder. My team is. And I said, so don't you know, don't undersell yourself on this. You are critically important to this organization. And she just got big eyed and, you know, it was all gleaming and stuff because it was a different perspective for her. She thought, well, I'm just a receptionist. Oh, no, 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 no. You are critically important to this organization. And without you, it would just be nonstop chaos. So reminding people of that, that they are the leader and giving them hopefully the autonomy to be able to notice things and do something about it instead of waiting for the boss or the boss's boss to give approval on it. Um, it it's easier to ask. I heard this a quote from uh, somebody in the Ontario government in Canada because I used to do work with them as well. And, you know, one of the phrases in, in, when they're working with you know healthcare and all that kind of stuff was said it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission and i kind of said that to them i said i'd much rather you try something and maybe be wrong than to just stay frozen and not try to fix anything at all so you know i love that you guys talk about that and and that's you know kind of the basis of the book so when when compiling this book and obviously it takes a lot of time but you obviously utilized all your experiences that you've gained throughout your career and imported into this workbook. And I like how you frame that too, is a workbook because I'm with you. You know, I pick up a book and I'm reading it and all of that. I, if it's a physical book, then yeah, I'm either taking notes or if it's a book that I'm going to keep and not, you know, resell to somebody or, or loan to somebody, you know, I don't try to highlight it, but if it's a book, I know it's like, I'm keeping this book forever, then yeah, it's going to be dog-eared. There's going to be little notes on it and all that kind of stuff. But if it's a digital book, it's the same thing. You can highlight it. Uh, but what's important is, okay, you read this thing. What are you going to apply from it? Otherwise, <laughs> if you don't, then you might as well just stick to fiction because you're not going to apply anything other than be entertained. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And that's the point that Doug was making earlier is you don't have to use all these eight essentials to see an impact in your life. But if you use something from the book, anything in the book, it will begin to make an impact in your life. And we have this leadership logic chain, which is if I want to be more effective with other people, it begins with me doing a better job of managing myself. And by the way, managing my own behaviors, the only person's behavior I can control is my own. 
managing my own behavior involves me making better decisions. And we make about 35,000 decisions a day. Most of them we don't think about. So how I take my coffee in the morning, brushing our teeth, getting dressed, those are all decisions we make every single day that we don't think give much thought about. And I don't have to make all 35,000 better, but if I made one or two better choices a day, you're talking about four, five, 600 better decisions a year. And that impact will take your life or your business, your family, your community in a very different direction. Making better decisions is grounded in self-awareness. So it's me paying attention to myself, my behavior. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I doing? Has a big impact on how I influence other people. So it's almost counterintuitive that for me to build a, a better relationship with you, the person I have to pay the most attention to is me. And the thing about self-awareness is none of us is 100% self-aware 100% of the time. And so we talk about in the book how to improve self-awareness. So knowing my real self involves me paying attention to myself more often. And we talk about an exercise called the freeze. The freeze is what am I thinking? How am I feeling? What am I doing? And sometimes what I notice is I'm not paying attention. I'm watching TV or I'm reading a book and I'm, you know, I read 10 pages. I have no idea what I read. That's me not paying attention to myself. Well, if I notice I'm not paying attention, then the, the last question is, could I be doing something different? Should I go put the book down and do something else? Or should I pay attention to what I'm reading? But that requires the self-awareness to make that decision. Yeah. So the bottoms up, if you take that logic chain, we go bottoms up. It's self-awareness first, and you know, which is problematic because it's you know, we jokingly say, but it it's it's funny because it's true. People who lack self-awareness, of course, don't know. You know, because if they knew, then they would be self-aware. So it's very problematic. And so we, and most people overestimate their level of self-awareness. And Chuck said it really well. We read a book, we read a number of pages, and then we go, oh, what did I read? We didn't realize we were reading to ourselves and not paying attention. And so this freeze game is designed to help people make paying attention to themselves a habit. And anybody, by the way, we give... We, we give freeze reminders, thousands of them go out every day. They're, they're free. We just, they're just little, little notes that we go out a little deal, ping somebody on their email or their text, and it asks them the question, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? What are you doing? Don't judge yourself. Just learn to pay attention. What will happen is the process of paying attention to yourself will result in you improving on those 35,000 decisions you make every day. You'll start making a couple of them better. You, you don't have to make 35,000 better, but if I pay attention to what I'm thinking and what I'm doing and I keep asking myself, could I be doing something better? You're gonna make a couple of better choices. And as a result of that, your life is going to be more fulfilled. And you will experience the joy that comes with that. There's a psychic reward. So this is an intrinsic, extrinsic kind of a experience that one gets to have. So, 
So it's it's it almost sounds too good to be true. So I want to caution people. It is true. It is simple and it is hard. True, simple and hard. Simple and easy are not synonyms. It's hard to develop good habits. But then once they're there, they're habits. It then becomes hard to break them. <laughs> and so that's what we're trying to do is help people develop good habits uh, to improve their lives so that they in turn uh, can have great relationships with everybody in their lives. So it's self-awareness first. It's decision-making after that. So now that I'm self-aware, I can make some of those decisions better. And when I'm making those decisions better, I'm managing myself better. And when I'm managing myself better, I'm relating to other people better. I'm, I'm, I'm leading, I'm influencing. Everything is better. So that's the whole chain. And, and, and I appreciate, Chuck, that you brought that up. I, I think that's an important point for our listeners. Yeah, it's really important. And it's also, it reminds me of uh, one of the many things that Jim Rohn said, uh, you know, things like this, you know, the, it, it's, it's easy to do, but it's also easy not to do. And I think that's when people are frozen, not the freeze. Uh, and I love that, that you send out those reminders to people. It's kind mm -hmm. of like a, okay, you know, touch point, where are you? You know, what, what's going on? How are you feeling? What's your energy level like? You know, what are you doing? What are you focusing on? Mm -hmm. And I too, you know, I'll be in a book and, um, you know, I'll read two or three pages and I'm like, okay, what, what did I just read? And it's like, well, I saw letters and they were connected to each other, but I don't, <laughs> I don't remember anything. Or if I realize yeah. if I'm looking at it and, and all of a sudden it looks like the letters are doing a little bit of a, a mamba, it's like, okay, <laughs> it, it's time to put the book down because I'm obviously at this particular moment in time, not going to retain a thing. So put it down, go look out at the sky. Don't look at the sun. I don't know, hopefully you've been taught that, but if not, don't look at the sun, but at least look, look in the sky, look at the top of the trees, wherever you happen to be, even if it, mm -hmm. you're inside, you're, you can't look outside, look, focus on something just to kind of get present. And, and then you can go back to it or you, you do something else. That's where you know, your daily to-do list comes in where you get to, you know, check off a couple things. And that in itself is a motivating and discipline factor. It's like, okay, I'm going to work on this. And, you know, like Brian Tracy tells us, like, eat that frog first. It's like, okay, sometimes there are things you want to get done. And I don't want to say 100% of the time, but it's a high percentage for me. If there's something on my to-do list, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'll wake up the next day and say, I'm doing that. And I get it done. And of course, I get it done quicker than I thought it would take because I focused and disciplined myself to get it done. And all of a sudden, you're like, you feel this resilience and energy boost of, wow, that was good. I feel good about that. Okay, what's next? And you want to take on the world. And, you know, it's, it's again, just keeping things in check. But once you start improving your self-awareness, and I, and I love how you guys have said this, you know, a couple better decisions a day. That's, you know, over 700 mm -hmm. best or better decisions. Yeah. Right. Anybody does that, anybody, their life will be improved, guaranteed. If you make better decisions, because that, again, that creates opportunity, clarity. I'm a huge fan of clarity because when you have clarity and you, you can see things, 
you're going to make better decisions. And from there, it's just going to improve where you work, your life, relationships, everything. Absolutely. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, Doug and I, uh, in an earlier session today. My life today is a product of the decisions I made yesterday. If I want my life to be different tomorrow, it begins with me making better choices today. And we have what's called a three-bucket theory. Everything in life falls into one of three buckets. Bucket number one is what I can control. And there's only one thing in that bucket, and that's my behavior. It's my decision-making. Bucket number two is what I can influence. And there's only two things in that bucket, other people and my health. And bucket number three is everything else. All the stuff I have no control over, the weather, traffic, the economy, stock market, Successful people focus on bucket number one, what they can control, which is their behavior. The more we focus on bucket number one, the more our influence grows in bucket number two. And so we're talking about with decision-making is a bucket one activity. And if I want my life to be different, I can't wait for somebody else to fix it. (laughs) It's up to me. Like I got to take some personal responsibility. I have to be honest with myself. One of the eight essentials we talk about is the connection between integrity and responsibility. Integrity is telling the truth and standing up for what's right. And then responsibility uh, is admitting my mistakes and failures. But integrity and responsibility begin at home. I got to be honest with myself and take responsibility for my own choices and where my life is today. Sometimes that's painful. Sometimes there's parts of my life I don't want to take responsibility for and are harder for me to be honest with. But if I wanted to get better, it begins there. Go ahead, Doug. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was just going to say you mentioned the buckets and it just reminded me this. I, I have a picture of that. This these are this is a little girl's version of this. Her dad taught her the three bucket theory. And then she came up with this vision of it. And they actually had another artist actually do it. But bucket in my influence in my control no control or or influence and and she said why would you spend any time on that at all and so here's this little girl she's like six years old she said why wouldn't why would you not just disconnect the card the cord so if you look at the picture it's it's the cord to the no control nor influence is totally disconnected so here's this little six-year-old said why would we spend any time there, Daddy? That's that's beautiful. There's that's why a lot of times when I have you know because I work with people on burnout and workplace culture and retention and things like that. And one of the exercises that I have them do, especially when they're doing self reflection or they're looking within, I, I tell them don't don't judge yourself, don't beat yourself up. The world does a good enough job for you on that, but approach things with a childlike curiosity and like, why, why do we do that? Why is that important? I love that because bucket three is one of those things where if you focus on bucket one and you really get fine tuned in that bucket two is going to improve the items in bucket two are going to improve based on your efforts in bucket one. Don't even bother with bucket three. You can't control those things. Uh, Michael Hyatt had a quote years and years ago, and I think it was during the Great Recession. Uh, and he he said, you know, I'm going to make my own economy. I'm not going to worry about the recession. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm, I'm not ignoring it, but I'm not going to pay any 
energy towards that. I'm going to focus on what I can do myself to improve my own personal economy, which then helps my family, helps my community, helps society by me being the best version of me. And if we all did that, can you imagine what this world would look like? It would be so dramatically better for everybody involved. You just expressed very well why we wrote the book. We're imagining the world could be better. We want to help. And it's so great to be involved with somebody like yourself who obviously wants to do the same thing. So hadn't met you before, but we certainly are in, in lockstep and agreement on this. This, is, this has been great. Thank you for having us. Well, to the example that you mentioned, Michael, is if imagine if everybody worked on improving their own economy. I mean, just think about that. What that what that impact would be on I mean, on the world, it'd be unbelievable. And and I think that, that's really what we're trying to, you know, point people's attention to is focus on what you can control. And these eight essentials are things that you can control. And they will have a big impact on your life and those that you care about. Well, and one of the things you were talking about, Michael, as you were talking about being that little being curious, you know, in our uh, the essential, the chapter on letting go of what you know, it it's all about curiosity. See, what happens is a lot of times as we get older, we tend to to lock in on what it is we we just don't want to know anymore. We just want to say it's I'm done. I'm done learning. I got it. I just want everybody to agree with me. <laughs> Let's stop, you know. But the reality is, is if we can maintain that childlike curiosity, because what we will discover, the the more we learn, the more we will know we don't know. And, and so we got to let go of what we know so that we have the opportunity to learn what could help us go to the next level. Human nature is such that we are relentless in our effort to progress the human nature is such that we will always see problem and opportunity in our circumstance so we cannot stop luckily the advancement of of humanity and but each of us can 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 contribute to a healthy advancement and today we need that especially today as artificial intelligence rises in its applications it's real important that human intelligence kind of lead the way. So we need people e- people with uh, the equipment, the eight essentials to help them make a positive difference every day. We interviewed people from all walks of life, Michael, in the book, uh, as I'm sure you've seen, uh, mountain climbers, polar explorers, Olympic coaches, nonprofit leaders, but one of the people we interviewed for, for the book is a guy named Jeff Stiefler, who used to be the president of America Express. He was also the CEO of a company called Digital Insight. Anyway, one of his sayings is, everybody wants to be in the groove. Nobody wants to be in a rut. And wisdom is knowing the difference. In order for me to be wise, I have to be self-aware, right? I have to be able to examine myself and go, Am I in a groove or am I in a rut? Is this taking me to my life where I wanted to go? Am I taking responsibility for for those choices? That enables me to be wise, but I can't be wise unless I'm self-aware. That's so important. And I love that quote. 
uh, it's definitely something that I will, you know, add to my repertoire as well. And in closing, before you know, I have you know, share where people can find you in in the book. It, you know, when we were talking about artificial intelligence, for some reason, this quote came in mind. And this is an old quote. It's from uh, John Dvorak. He's you know a tech writer. I'm assuming he's still writing because I don't usually read the tech magazines as much as I did when I was younger. But he had a quote when AI was first starting to be bounced around, even you know a couple decades ago. He says. Yeah, this AI stuff is great, but I'm still holding out for artificial common sense. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I, we're, we're still waiting, John. We're still waiting. Mark Twain so, says the only problem with common sense is it's not very common. Nope, nope, <laughs> not at all, not at all. So I've loved this conversation, gentlemen. Where can people find out more about you and this amazing book? Uh, the book itself, you can get anywhere. You know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com. Uh, Porchlight Books. It's available. Our our website is Think the Number Two Perform All One Word Think to Perform dot com. You can buy it there. Um, you can also go to the website and do our values exercise for free. Get a virtual card deck. You can follow Doug and I on LinkedIn on X. Uh, what else am I missing, Doug? Yeah, you caught X. I was like, wow, I'm still tweeting, and you're actually. <laughs> You're cutting edge. You know, the, the other thing is uh, Doug's going to be giving a speech in Bar Barcelona for the consortium on for, on research in, for emotional uh, consortium for research on emotional intelligence in organizations uh, on the impact of, of moral intelligence and emotional intelligence as it compares to AI. You mentioned AI, Mike, uh, Michael. And then I've got a TED Talk coming up uh, October 7th in Montreal. So you'll be able to catch uh, some of that, either one of those places, if if you don't buy the book. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'll definitely have all that in the show notes. So really appreciate both of you. Thank you again so much for your time today. Really appreciate this amazing work and, and keep at it. The world needs you too. So thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank Our you, pleasure, Michael. Michael. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the, the Breakfast, Breakfast Leadership, Leadership show. show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.